They do have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Tuning into the Lost Art Podcast. My name is Drew and I am your host. Welcome to the first ever episode. Thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to give me a listen. Any feedbacks, ratings, comments will be greatly appreciated. Today I plan on discussing the Lakers and how they adjust to life without LeBron. Also, I want to talk a little bit about the Warriors and this little stretch that they've gone on. Is this who they are this season or is it something that they'll snap out of? And lastly, I want to talk about Anthony Davis and his rankings among the NBA. Is he really a top five player? All this and more are coming to you soon, so stay tuned. Uh, yo. Had to get my head to get my head to get my numbers up. Last time went enough, so I had to double up. They was never down for me till they see me coming up. Now they won't be one of us. Cause I got the city jumping like a double dust. Shorty looking like she got a tummy tuck. And a Welcome back. Before I dive into the NBA stuff, I kinda just want to give you guys a rundown about myself and you know why I started this podcast and where I got the name from and everything. Um kinda wanted to just get my voice out there um i did do a little bit of writing shout out to the under the bus podcast they gave me the opportunity to write on that platform write a little bit about the lakers but you know writing is not really something that i want to do or something i I was accustomed to doing i've always been a talker i've always been an arguer um you know if you guys scroll down my timeline i'm usually arguing with somebody on twitter about basketball or something and i thought a podcast would be just a good way to you know get something started and and get my name out there and also get my voice out there about, you know, my own opinions. And the reason why I chose The Lost Art, um, I feel like the way we talk about basketball nowadays, um, just like the basketball community, I feel like it's sort of a lost art. You know, you hear the old heads talking about, you know, the mid-range game is the lost art or the post-game is the lost art. But I feel like the way we discuss basketball as a whole, it's, it's kind of becoming a lost art. It's becoming more numbers and analytics and stuff, which I understand. I don't really have a problem with. Because, you know, they make sense. But at the same time, you know, basketball is in the math equation. At the end of the day, you know, you got these guys who are masters of the craft. And whether or not you believe it's a good shot or whether or not I believe it's a good shot, I mean, if you practice it every day, the way I see it, there's no reason, you know, why they shouldn't be able to play and, 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 and produce how they want to without, you know, being criticized at every turn. So I kind of want to bring a different perspective than what, we're kind of becoming used to um, hearing people talk about the NBA about. Um, but I can go ahead and, and jump into you know my topics today. The main one I kind of wanted to talk about to start, to start it off was the Anthony Davis not being a top five player. Surprisingly, when I said this on Twitter, I thought it would be a lot more, um, you know, people disagreeing with me. I had a couple people in my mentions, you know, telling me that he was, of course. And I feel like Anthony Davis is kind of one of those guys who's been able to fly under the radar, maybe because he plays in New Orleans, or maybe because there's this narrative going around that, you know, he has no help in New Orleans, but when I look at that roster, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, they have two players playing at a high level. Currently, they're 14th um, in the Western Conference, sitting at a 16-20 and record. As I'm recording this now, they're playing the Rockets. Um, I don't really know who is going to win that game, but... 
at the moment, you know, they're not that good, basically, is what the point I'm trying to get at. And I feel like Anthony Davis doesn't get enough um, backlash for that. You know, he has, like I mentioned before, two other guys performing at probably an all-star level. If they weren't in the Western Conference, which probably has something to do with the record. But, I mean, when you got Julius Randle giving you basically 20-10 a game, and then you got Drew Holiday giving you 19-9 a game um, with all-level defense, and, you know, both of them are playing really hard. And then you got Anthony Davis who's performing at, you know, MVP-type numbers as he puts up every year, but they're not winning. They're, the numbers aren't translating to winning. And I feel like any other player will get will get slack for that. Um, you know, will get a lot of people hating on him for that, and Anthony Davis just kind of flies under the radar. And when I rank the top five players, in my opinion, winning does have a lot to do with that. Um, it's like all-time rankings. When you're like a top 10, 20 player in the NBA, you kind of get judged a little bit differently. It's not just about the numbers that you put up. You know, when you're young and you're kind of developing, then you can use numbers as an argument. But once you get in the upper echelon of the NBA players, to me, you have to be able to produce wins, especially if you have help. I mean, we get on LeBron every single year, and including myself, you know, about winning in a week Eastern Conference and stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, he doesn't have, he didn't have two levels two players playing at the level that um, Anthony Davis has at. I mean, he had, he had Kyrie and Kevin Love, and then when Kyrie left, he was basically just him and Kevin Love, and he still was able to drag them to a fairly good record. Um, even when you look at James Harden this year, I mean, he's without Chris Paul. Chris Paul is out for who knows long with that hamstring injury, and um, the Rockets are winning. I mean, he's carried the load. He's doing what a top-five player is supposed to do. He's carrying the burden of the load. And he's producing wins to go along with his numbers. A lot of people don't like James Harden's game because he gets to the line so much. But you can't argue with results to me. He's shown his ability to, to not only carry an offense, you know, through a couple stretches, but carry a team to the playoffs. I believe he hasn't missed the playoffs since he's been with the Rockets. And he hasn't just had, you know, he hasn't had, like, super teams. He had a really good team last year that shot a lot of threes, and Chris Paul was a big part of that also. But he hasn't really just had, like, this, this superstar team that, people think that you need to win. I mean, he's shown, like I said, his ability to carry a team to the playoffs. And if I had to do a ranking today, Anthony Davis would probably be sixth behind LeBron, Katie, Steph, James Harden, and Kawhi. Um, maybe seventh because I believe Giannis is probably in the top three that MVP race. So, I mean, then you got, we still got Westbrook there who's balling and you still got Paul George who's, who's shown, you know, how valuable he is. He's being performing like the best player on that Thunder team, um, both of them are a really good one-two punch. But like I said, Anthony Davis hasn't—he's not delivering the goods. I mean, I don't know how much you can defend that. I don't know how much you know it falls on his shoulders, or maybe falls on you know their lack of help outside of that top three. But when you have three really good players putting up those type of numbers, in my mind, it, the responsibility is on you to, to bring the wins home. And I feel like part of it that people don't kind of really talk about is how different it is for a dominant big man to be able to perform. Um, it's extremely difficult, basically, because somebody has to pass you the ball at a time. Jokic is really good because he's basically like that team's point guard, but Giannis is relied on, uh, not Giannis, sorry, Anthony Davis is relied on to, to carry that, that scoring burden basically for him every night. And it's a little bit more difficult when you're a big man because you can't, you know, grab the ball and, and run down court. You know, Anthony Davis, you know, he can dribble the ball a little bit, but you don't expect him to bring the ball to court every every time. Whereas in that top five, top six, you know, the other players in, on that list can get a rebound and go coast to coast, 
and, and go score. And I feel like that's kind of the problem we see. It happened with Embiid in the playoffs last year where as good as you are, you know, you're still a big man. You still have to sit in the paint or set a screen to get the ball, something like that. So it kind of takes a little bit away from your game. Um, like I said, there's no knock on Anthony Davis. He's an amazing player. But in my mind, when you start putting him in that, that top ten, top five list, you have to, to judge him based upon what he's done for you recently, you know, and I don't know, maybe he leaves, you know, maybe he joins the Lakers, um, you know, for a trade, or maybe he leaves in the offseason, but, I mean, until he starts really winning, I, I'm not going to put him in my top five, I kind of made that decision this year, and it's kind of backing me up, you know, um, especially with when you consider all the other players are balling out, um, and, and I did mention the Lakers, so I might as well go ahead and segue into that, um, we do see LeBron out for the first time in probably forever, that wasn't a rest, we've never seen him hurt, um, and of course, you know, has happened when he joins the Lakers, but I mean, luckily it was nothing major, it looks like he'll be out for probably a couple weeks, a couple games, um, so it's pretty interesting to look at that roster and kind of see what was envisioned when all those players were drafted, especially when you got Lonzo Ball being able to play point guard, um, playing next to LeBron, to me, has kind of diminished Lonzo Ball's role on this team. He's turning into more of like a 3 and D type of player as opposed to being that like up and down point guard that we saw all throughout his career in college and also that we saw um, last season. You know, he's able to get boards coast to coast. He throw, He's really good in transition when it comes to passing. And I know I did get on him on Twitter the other day. I had a lot of Lakers fans, a lot of other Lakers fans in my mentions because I said Lonzo Ball was trash and I can say that that probably wasn't the, the best way to put it. But in my mind, Lonzo Ball is he's a very good defender, um, good playmaker in transition. But my problem with him, and it's been my problem with him since he was at UCLA, is that when the game slows down, he's not that good at a, making that big of an impact, especially offensively. He basically becomes, like I said, a 3 and D type of player, especially playing next to LeBron. But as we've seen over the last two games, when you don't have a LeBron to bail you out, I mean, Ingram and Kuzma aren't those guys to, to break you down every single possession and, and create something out of nothing. They're both complementary players at this point in their career. We kind of expected more from, from Ingram this season, but unfortunately he hasn't you know made that leap that we are looking out for. And part of that, like I said, you can maybe say it's LeBron's fault, but... We've seen him without LeBron, and he's doing the same thing. Ingram is pretty much this fadeaway mid-range guy who won't take threes and won't convert at the free throw line. He's also not creating for others. I believe he's averaging about like two assists and two turnovers. So I mean, you know, that's nothing. It's really adding, not adding anything. And because he's not shooting the three ball, it's, it's bringing down his efficiency a lot. Um, he kind of has to pick and choose his spots in the mid-range when he has when he wants to score and like I said he's getting to the line at a you know fairly decent rate um, which can be expected he's a pretty long player it's kind of hard to contest his shots but when he's getting there he's still converting less than 70 less than 60 percent from the line you know something crazy like that um, but let me go back to what I was saying about Lonzo and calling him trash on Twitter it's not because of his decision-making, you know, when the team is up and running. Like, for example, if you look at the Kings game and then you look at that Clippers game, the, the contrast was completely different. It seems like in that Kings game, Lonzo, Lonzo was in there on every play. Um, he was up and down. He was one rebound away from a triple-double. He was running. Everybody was, you know, enjoying the show. 
then you got the Clippers who slowed it down and who actually made shots because that's part of the reason if you don't get stops, you can't get out and run. So when we made shots and we had to run up the court, it was a lot of the same. Lonzo walks up the court and passes the ball and it kind of stands in the corner and gets out the way. Every once in a while you'll see you know him make a nice decision out of pick and roll, but we haven't seen a lot of that in his career to where the game slows down and you need you know that point guard to be able to you know get around the big man or to be able to break a defender down. Um, or, you know, to be able to come off a pick and, you know, put his defender in jail, kind of look left to right, make a decision. He kind of is a one-read, quick quick type of point guard, which, like, isn't bad, but it's kind of like when you compare, you know, a quarterback um, who won't hold on to the ball and make a decision because they're so, you know, fidgety. It's like he comes off the screen, and if that first pass is not there, he kind of panics, or, you know, he'll, sh- he'll shoot up a shot, or he rushes his layup. That's also a big problem of his where he doesn't, um, convert at the rim or at the free throw line. The good thing about him, we you know, when you compare it to Ingram, is that Lonzo does bring 110% on, on defense you know, at all times. He's doing a really good job this year, especially guarding opposing point guards. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I know he's holding them to you know, a fairly good percentage for a defender. He's making them work hard. He fights over screens well. He has really good hands. So, you know, you can he can at least hang his hat on that every night. And, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, to me... I thought he would fit the best for LeBron, and I'm pretty much been right this season. I mean, he has the easiest job out of all of them. It's fairly easiest job. I mean, he has to be able to score. That's basically what it is. And he's doing a really good job. I mean, you know, if you need 20 points a game, Kyle Kuzma give you that. He'll hit, you know, two, three, three-pointers a game, um, get to the line. After, besides that, though, he won't give you much else, which is, I mean, you take that for what it is. But, you know, if you need a bucket, what I always say on Twitter, what I always tell people is that, you know, at least Kyle Kozuma, he, he knows his role next to LeBron. You know, he knows who he is. If you need a bucket, he'll get you a bucket. You know, if you need some threes, you know, he'll hit some threes. But if you look for anything else outside of that, you know, his defense is not good at all. We saw him getting torched by Dudley off of fake screens um, in that Nets game. Um, constantly getting beat, you know, by big man and also by wings. He's kind of like that tweener position where he's not really big enough to to guard the big man, not quick enough to stay in front of the guard. So he has to have his, his certain matchups every night that he can guard. And, um, you know, it creates problems. And I feel like the, the way this Lakers team is kind of put together, you can see the flaws, but at the same time, I, I do understand the optimism from a lot of other Lakers fans. I was one of those guys who was, you know, don't trade the young core, don't trade the young core, build on it, because, you know, it was like, what else are we going to do? But once we got LeBron, I kind of did a 180 shift where I was like, I mean, this is a four-year window maybe three years who knows how how you know how much lebron has left in the tank nobody really knows it keep one of those things it could be one of those things sorry where he kind of you know goes out gracefully or it could be uh god forbid uh, the kobe situation where he goes down with an injury nobody really knows so i'm kind of i know it's a gamble and a lot of laker fans don't like that but i'm kind of one of you know let's push all the chips in you know let's go for gold if we get one ring out of this lebron situation in four years in my mind, that's a success. I know I asked this question in a poll just to see, you know, just to kind of gauge how people felt about it. You know, is one ring from LeBron worth having another, you know, losing season after he leaves or, you know, something like that. Like, let's say we do trade him for a Bradley Bill. We trade some of the young guys for a Bradley Bill, which I don't think will happen. But if that does happen and he gets his ring, are you happy with that? Are you not? It's just something to think about from, you know, going forward. 
I know Magic and them are probably thinking, you know, let's look forward to the offseason. Let's try to get a Kevin Durant. Let's try to get a maybe a get a Clay Thompson or maybe, you know, get Anthony Davis next season or maybe, you know, wait till the end of the season to make a trade. But I feel like this season, as a Lakers fan, it's been kind of weird to watch. It's one of the first seasons in a while because um, if you think about it, the last season we had like this was probably back when, when Kobe was by himself where, where you knew we wouldn't be trash. But you also knew we weren't winning the championship. But, I mean, now we're kind of in a weird situation um, where we're stuck in the middle. Where I know we won't be trash. We won't, you know, we'll make the playoffs. But I also know we won't win the championship looking at this roster. There's too many flaws on it. Not enough shooting. Not enough free throw shooting. Um, players get streaky. And also, uh, I'll tell a lot of people this, but you can't really rely on young players in the playoffs. Um, as much as, you know, we think they're ready or, you know, it's the playoffs is just a different game. And that's not a knock on any of our young players, but, I mean, it happens. Every once in a while, you know, you get, like, the Jason Tatums who had a good run. Donovan Mitchell had a good run. But young players normally can't be relied upon. And nothing against them, but just like I said, the playoffs are just a completely different animal sometimes. And it's a whole different atmosphere. The game's really slow down and greedy, less foul calls. You know, you got to have that those, those stars to kind of bring you home, which is why I think that, I mean, getting as many stars here as possible is probably the next plan, especially if they're young stars. You know, if you do trade, you know, let's say you package a Kyle Kuzma and, a, and an Ingram for Anthony Davis. That's not the worst thing in the world. LeBron's retired to, you know, build around Anthony Davis. But it's kind of hard to, you know, gauge what exactly would be the right decision. I'm just a guy with a mic, you know. I'm not really in the office or I don't have to have any consequences for coming up with these decisions. But, you know, it's always fun to just look at it and, you know, speculate upon, you know, how to improve your team. But I do ask Lakers fans this. If LeBron comes out of here with nothing, we get four years of LeBron, four years of a young guy and nothing, how will you guys feel about him? Just something to think about. I forgot to mention this earlier, but what you guys think about that that Steph Curry clip in the beginning of the show. Um, I thought about doing that, you know, for every episode, having like a a different old NBA clip. And I kind of want to challenge everybody, you know, when you hear that, to, you know, think about where you were when you first heard that. That Steph Curry one, that's one of my favorite calls by Mike Breen, you know, the double bang, um, ripping the hearts out of OKC. And I remember being at my old apartment. I was downstairs. I was on TV. I remember going crazy. Like, you know, Steph did something amazing. Um... But, you know, the next episode, I plan on having a different audio there. So maybe next time it'll be, you know, a, a LeBron James block on Iggy or, you know, old Michael Jordan clip or an old Kobe clip um, just to set the mood of the day for the podcast and kind of bring that, like, nostalgic feeling, feeling to it. Um, so if you guys like that, you know, I would appreciate any feedback or if you guys have any suggestions yourself. You know, if you want to hear a, a certain clip, I, I'll, you know, try to find it and put it in the beginning of the episode, like I said, just to set the mood or anything. But the last topic that I wanted to get into today or um, was the Golden State Warriors and, and who they are this year as a team. Um, we're so used to them dominating over this, this last stretch of seasons, especially since they got Kevin Durant. I mean, we haven't seen a stretch like this in history. Um, you know, team winning this many games, and especially in my life, you know, the last dominant team I probably saw was the Lakers. I was a little bit young, but the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. Besides that, um, you know, maybe the the other Lakers or the Spurs on the, on the crazy stretch that they've been on. 
but we haven't seen a team like this where basically you get three, three stars, four stars if you if you want to count Draymond. All in their prime, all like basically running the NBA. But this season, things seem to be a little bit different. Seems like it's all kind of catching up to him. If you if you look at it, um, Clay is not having like the crazy shooting that we're used to, that we've grown accustomed to. Steph is still Steph. I mean, he's a little banged up, but you know, Steph is Steph. Katie's Katie. He's gonna get buckets. And then Draymond's though, he looks like a shell of himself. Um, defense isn't as great as it was. You know, still not bad. Just wasn't as great. His shooting is basically gone. The teams are treating him like Ben Simmons out there. It's kind of crazy to see, and uh, it's kind of affecting the team as a whole. You know, the production just hasn't isn't the same. They're they're not dominating teams as they were. You remember last year where it was basically after every third quarter. You know, once the third quarter started, they were destroying teams. I heard Nick Young saying that they were kind of happy to be down at halftime because it gave them something to to look forward to. He said that on, on Gilbert Arena's podcast where he was saying, you know, when they got back to the locker room at halftime, guys were excited to have a challenge and, you know, they kind of set a goal for themselves to be able to come back and, and beat these teams. But this year is, is not seeing the same. And like I, I was talking earlier on Twitter today about it. Actually, it's kind of funny. I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if, if they didn't win the finals this year, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, we've seen runs come to an end. It all has to end eventually. But it wouldn't be surprise me if they if they lost, especially when you look at the way teams like Toronto are playing or, or, or Philly or I don't think Philly beats them, but Boston. But I think a team that could really give them trouble is is Toronto if they were to make it. Um, they have Kawhi to match up with KD. They have Lowry and Van Fleet and you know Delon Wright to be able to throw at. At Steph, they got Danny Green, who's still a really good defender. They got um, Siakam, who they can throw at KD. Like I said, if Draymond doesn't turn this around, I feel like it's going to come back to bite him. Um, I fully expect Clay to be able to shoot, you know, his regular numbers, especially when the playoffs start. Um, he was talking about it. He was like, you know, I've been doing this, basically just saying I've been doing this for the whole my whole life, and I shoot better than 99% of the NBA so, you know, don't, don't tell me about what I need to do to improve my jumper. And, and I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, there's nothing you can really say to that guy about a jumper. He'll figure it out. But Draymond, I mean, will he figure it out? And who knows? I don't know if he'll, he'll have that same same type of run. And if they were to lose, I mean, who's staying there? Is Draymond walking? Will they let Clay walk? I don't think so. But Draymond, I feel like it's going to come down to Draymond or KD. I don't think both are coming back. And in my mind, it's kind of hard for them to justify bringing Draymond back over Kevin Durant, unless the reasoning is that, you know, they get that nostalgic feeling, feeling or something like that. That's the only thing that that I think will will be an argument to bringing him back. But otherwise, I, I don't think I don't know. I, I don't see the, any reason to. To me, Katie is a top two player, top three player. It's kind of hard to rank him and Steph sometimes but you know any either way top three player in the NBA and I don't see how you just let that walk for nothing um, he's one of the best scorers he's hit big shots last time two finals MVPs I mean he's his resume speaks for himself especially with them going to San Francisco they kind of want to bring this whole like big you know party type thing there and the whole you know just the whole thing there and I feel like you can't risk that for Draymond, you know, as he's a champion himself, defensive player of the year, but if it come down to it, I don't, it's not that hard of a decision for me, yeah, I would let him walk anyway, um, but at the same time, you know, 
Draymond was there from the beginning. You know, he just started this Warriors turnaround. It kind of sucks to bring him, you know, to, it kind of sucks to, to, to bring him this far and kind of let him go. But when you look at the Warriors' front office, I mean, they did kind of make that same decision with, with Monte and Steph um, in the beginning, in the beginning of all of this, where they, they chose to build around Steph instead of building around Monte, who had been there for the longest and, you know, who I personally went to go see. You know, he was basically the heart of Oakland for the, the longest. You know, they sucked, but, I mean, he was a bucket. He was getting it, getting his buckets up. And um, like I said, he was the heart of the city. And they made the decision. They made the gutsy decision. I remember the owners being booed on opening night because of that. But they made the decision, and they promised greatness, and they, and they got it. And I, I kind of feel like if it came down to it, they would do the same thing with the Draymond, where they just let him go, you know, let him go free, you know, let him pursue, you know, whatever money he wants to. It's kind of a lot of luxury tax that they wanted to pay off for them. And you know KD's probably taking the, tired of taking these pay cuts. Um, you know, he wants his money too. Steph got his bag, you know, KD's going to want his bag. And then I know Clay's going to want his bag. And I don't think there's enough room to get for them, you know, those big contracts. I also don't think the kind of a good thing, the silver line is that Draymond probably hasn't earned that Supermax. Uh, I think he I think he had to like be all defensive first team or, or win defensive player of the year. Something along the lines of that and I don't see that happening. So like I said, I, I don't see a reason to kinda keep K D I mean sorry, to keep Draymond at the end of all of this. When we look at the way they play this year, it's like they run the same sets. Maybe teams are figuring them out. Maybe other teams have caught up to the barrage of three-pointers, you know, other teams realize they got to just shoot threes to stick it, stick with them. Um, the Rockets almost accomplished that before they went on that, that crazy, you know, drought, but uh, I feel like maybe teams are catching up to them. And teams aren't scared of them anymore either. That's, that's the one thing to notice. Uh, they just aren't blowing teams out like they like they were. Like I mentioned before, you know, they, they're they're struggling to win games, and when they do win games, usually it's like into the shot clock. But the last game I just saw, Dray, not Draymond, um, Dame Lillard um, hit a game-winning three. And, you know, they lost. And they, they've been losing games like this all year. They're just close games, greedy games. They've been in a lot of games this year. So it's fun as a viewer, but I don't think it's that fun for them. I don't know. Um, but, you know, speaking of, uh, Kate, uh, of Dame Lillard, I got a question to ask you guys. Um, just something to think about, food for thought. Um, I asked this poll on, on Twitter the other day. Um, who do you think is more important to that city? Um, the player who basically was born there or the player who, who brought success there? And an example, I used two examples. And the examples that I used was Damon Lillard and Stephen Curry. Like, who's more important to Oakland? Dame, who's the, the Oakland kid, you know, who a lot of kids from Oakland look up to. Or Steph, who a lot of kids from Oakland probably look up to. It's just an interesting tidbit to think about. When you see that, you know, both have had success. Obviously, Steph's the more successful. So maybe it's success that have something to do with it. But the results are pretty overwhelming. I believe it was about 80% to 20% that said Steph Curry was more important to the city of Oakland. Um, so like I said, it is interesting to think about. And the other example I used was Kobe and, and DeRozan. I knew kind of knew the answer to that would be Kobe. Uh, it's like he kind of is L.A., but at the same time, you know, DeRozan was, was born here. Uh, he's a Compton kid. You know, somebody who's who who represents like the heart of LA, you know? And I feel like Dame and, and DeRozan are kinda of similar in that aspect. But in both situations, you know, they both of the guys who weren't from the city were voted. So like I said, maybe success has something to do with it. Or maybe 
I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just you know who like I said who's better. Um, but you know it's just something interesting to think about, and I want you guys to think about that too. Maybe think of some different examples, and and who would you you know what would your answer be? But that kind of wraps up what I want to talk to about talk to you guys about today. Um, this episode has been about thirty minutes long. Like I said, um, I do appreciate any feedback or comments or anything that you guys have. Next episode probably be a little bit longer i'll have more things to talk about this is something i just kind of want to get out there um i kind of had to re-record this episode a couple times so i just want to get it out there um you guys are welcome to follow me on twitter at nba young drew um hit me up on email my email address for this podcast is the lost art pod um, at gmail.com you know you guys have any questions or you guys want to be featured on this i'm you guys are welcome um i'm welcome to anybody you know to feature on on this episode Preferably if you live in the area, you know, the Oakland or LA area, that's where I usually am. But if not, you know, maybe we can work something out. Um, but I got a lot planned for you guys. Got a couple, um, I got one NBA player I'm thinking about adding on, a couple of people that are big in the, the NBA Twitter community, and also um, a couple, you know, just professional players that I've been thinking about adding on. I know a couple of guys who play professional ball from Oakland, want to get them on and get their perspective. And just like some of my friends and stuff, um, just come on and talk about it. But if you guys, you know, um, have any suggestions or anything, like I said, just let me know. I'm welcome. I'm open to anything. I'm new to this. Um, this is a journey. I appreciate you guys for being on this journey with me. Um, but till next time. Uh, yo. Had to get my had to get my had to get my numbers up. Last time wasn't enough, so I had to double up. They was never down for me till they see me coming up. Now they won't be one of us. Cause I got the city jumping like a double dust. Shorty looking like she got a tummy tuck. And a butt shot, the way that thing poke out. Fiend know you know now.